Take a moment to say hi to your neighbor. Hi, neighbor. Oh, amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, it's good to see each and every one of us today. Praise the Lord. Uh, welcome us. <coughs> uh, welcome to the season of. Uh, Believers Convention prayer, prayer, prayers. Amen. Uh, I'm sure we have been blessed so far. 
and I hope we are joining in the prayers. Uh, it's good to pray. It's, it's good to exercise ourselves in prayers. Uh, it's very important. Uh, prayer, prayer helps to generate expectation. It helps to position our hearts rightly. Prayer helps us to align. Amen. I uh, just want to welcome each and everyone once again. And uh, I'd like to appreciate each and every one of us. Uh, thank you, Brother Stephen. Thank you, Uncle Kelvin and Auntie Dunu. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, welcome, Debbie. Thank you for joining us today. It's good to see you. It's good to, to see your face here this morning. And, uh, you know, I heard you are traveling tomorrow. I was like, okay, maybe I'll see you know, maybe after a meeting, I'll just chat a bit. Amen. Good to see you. Good to uh, to see you again. Uh, I don't know. If, perhaps we are going to Ottawa again. I don't know. But uh, there we go. Good to see. Oh, it's good. It's good. The summer. Good to see everyone. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So you're welcome. You're welcome. And uh, we welcome you. Uh, amen. Um, oh, wow. It's okay. Today we... We spend time in prayer. Normally, you know, we you know, just pray and then go into worship, but we like to spend time in prayer today because of the uh, Believers Convention that is coming. So uh, just this Saturday and next Saturday, right, and we've prayed today. So next Saturday we'll pray again, right? But, uh, and then after that, no more meeting, and then we'll go to Edmonton. And from Edmonton, uh, there's, be, there's teaching series in Ottawa, and then from there, uh, we return back. And then meeting resumes after that. So, I mean, next Saturday will be our last meeting, right? Uh, until after the convention. So, it's good to um, pray. I know normally, like I said, normally we, we just follow, you know, the prayers in Ottawa. Uh, but uh, I don't know, specifically this season, just, there's just a need to, to pray as well, corporately. Right, as we are praying together, then, then all of us here, because all of us we are going to carry ourselves and, and go to Edmonton. So I want us to go prepared as well and spend time praying. Amen. Uh, so that being said, uh, praise the Lord. I'm just trusting the Lord to, to just build more on what uh, know we've been seeing that the Lord is uh, saying to us. And one of the things that is clear Right, especially from the prayers as well, that I want us to see and our hearts should be open towards, is that the Lord, the the, the feast thing, you know, we're hearing feast, feast. As we are praying, right, they're talking about the feast of the Lord. Perhaps uh, we understand that the Lord is ready to set a table. You know, the, when they say feast, uh, it means there has to be a table, there has to be uh, lots of food, right, which we have to eat. Amen. And how we eat is with our soul, right? Uh, I think on Tuesday, uh, I was talking more concerning the living soul, right? I'm talking about the body. Um, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, right? I'm just giving you a little bit of a recap. So Matthew chapter 5, we began to see that the light of the body, right, is the eye. And then I was explaining that the light of the body is not just, so the body that they're referring to there, right, is not just the physical body, 
but they're talking about the body of the soul, right? So, and then we spend time, I know in the last two meetings, talking about the, those aspects, right, of a man, right? Man is a spirit who has a soul that lives in the body, right? And then moving more into the soul of a man, the things that happens in there, right? And then talk, talking about the members of the soul, right, that just... Uh, I don't know, maybe the Lord just wanted us to see it clearly, right? That the soul of a man is, is this, when, you, when you look at the physical body, has the same members. So in the physical body, we have members. We have fingers, we have hands, we have ears, we have legs, eyes, nose, mouth, right? Those are the things that you will also find in the soul, right? So you can, like I was saying, you can see a man as, the, the, the outward man, right, which is the physical body, because the scripture tells us about the outward man, the inward man, and the inner man, right? Those are the three mans. I say three is just one, right, but three in one, right? So as a man, I have an outward part of me. I have the inward part of me. I have the inner part of me, right? And there's a way those things flow together, right? So the inward part, right, the outward part, and the inner part, they all have a body. Well, let me use, if I can use that word, they are all bodies, right? So you have the physical body, the inward body, the inner body, right? So the Lord did it in such a way that when you look at the outward man, you have insight into everything else that is inside of a man. So in case maybe we've never seen our spirit before, when we look at ourselves, you can see your spirit. Okay, so this is what my spirit looks like. It has eyes, it has ears, it has nose, it has mouth, right? And most of the time when uh, you know, maybe people die and they leave the physical body, you realize that they also have a body that looks like the one that they left in the body, right? Most of the time, when you say, oh, I saw again, or how do you know it's again? It's because what you saw looks like how it looked physically, right? So clearly, uh, when the body left, and then you see the body, so that tells us that uh, when you look at a man, you know, sometimes you can have an imaginary, uh, imaginary, is it imaginary thought about what does the spirit look like? No, most of the time we can't, can't pick it like, how does my spirit look like? And then we try to, we try to imagine some kind, something, I don't know. I don't know if somebody has tried to figure out their spirit before. I was like, what does my spirit look like? Is it like a ball or a, you know, you know, you know those um, movies, <laughs> you know, and then you see a spirit and then you see maybe, maybe something with... Uh-huh. You just do peon and just appear and then disappear. You wonder what was what's that? You know, most of the time those things gives us imagery of things. Sometimes that's what we use to to imagine certain things. But the truth is that what actually gives us accurate picture that paints the picture of what things are spiritually is actually the scripture. So it's, it's through the eye of the scripture we can see things clearly. There is nothing in this world that is that is that is depicted explained or shown that tells you the accurate information. 
it can try, it can, it can get close. But as long as it's not with scripture, it doesn't give you the perfect imagery of what it is spiritually. To understand things spiritually, you need a different kind of mind. It's not the natural mind. Amen. To pick short things, to see things, you can't use the natural mind. And that's what scripture tells us. You see, scripture is not half, half-baked. Scripture is complete, it's full, right? Now, they began to tell us in the book of, I say, is it Corinthians um, uh, chapter, is it First Corinthians chapter 4? Let me take a look at it. I was going to read, okay, well, let's, let's look at it. Um, talking about, is it chapter 2? For the common mind, yes, First Corinthians chapter 2. 14. Um, so 1 Corinthians chapter 2, is it 14? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's 14. It says, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Amen. They are spiritually discerned. So the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. So the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Um, what we can see here is that it is impossible for the natural mind to actually capture spiritual things that is of God. So, the point is the natural mind, right? A natural mind. And when you talk about the natural mind, you know, you can look at, okay, what does a natural mind look like? It's a mind without spirit. Right? Now, the natural mind is a mind that does not have spirit infused. Now, you know, this, this is the area that baffles, you know, many, 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 many people, many Christians. Right, because it's difficult sometimes to decide, okay, is this my natural mind or is this my spiritual mind? Right? But it's very easy to discern. It is a mind without spirit. It is a mind. It is a mind without the heart. If you look at it. You know, most of the time we make decisions, we think about things. You know, sometimes we think we use our heart. Most of the time we don't actually use our heart. All we use is our mind. Like we have ideas. Okay, let me try this, let me try that, let me try this, let me try that. Ideas. Sometimes it may feel like it is from the heart, but not really. Why? Because the moment you begin to move into the heart, the heart has garrison, it has checks, it has things in there. When you start moving into the heart, the heart will start telling you, okay, calm, calm down. Let's look at this thing further. Do you think you should? Okay, look at this. Sometimes you may not even tell why your heart is telling you this thing may not work. Right? Because it's not fetching its information from the physical, nor from the natural sense. So a natural mind can plan out things. You know what? I'll take two teaspoons, put it inside my tea. Once I have it, I have the perfect sugar level, right? Two sugar teas, so put it in my tea, and then I'll take two needle milk. Is it needle that we drink? <laughs> we'll take two needle milk, uh, you know, two teaspoons, 
add and then add my milo, you know, to it, and then everything is perfect. Or, or even like say, you know what, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go to, to this. I'm just going to do this, do this, and do this, and then that's it. You know, you have everything. The natural mind, where that one comes in, is, is let me say, the natural mind is more logical in thinking. The natural mind does not. Uh, when you say natural, it means there is nothing supernatural about it. There is nothing spiritual about it. When you have natural, it's just things that that has no uh, spirit-infused uh, influence. Amen. So a natural mind is a mind truly. Because when you talk about a natural mind, you think it has no spirit at all. Not really, but there's another spirit involved. Amen. Because as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a living soul, because that's what God created man to be. Man is a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body, right? In the beginning, when God created man, God actually created man to be a spirit. Then in chapter 2, because of time, you know, maybe we'll read it. Because today too, because of time, I don't want to spend, take too much of our time. right? But when you see it, the, the natural, the, in, in the beginning, God didn't create man to be a natural man. Man was actually a spiritual man, right? He created a man as a spirit, right? And then, you know what? Maybe I'll, I would, I would you know, go to this a little bit. Amen. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1 because of time. You know, it's good to explain these things. I know most of us, we know, we know these things. All of us are scholars, you know, we all know Bible, so, you know, I mean, but it's good to also read Bible. Amen. So I read Genesis chapter 1, uh, and I read from verse, verse 27. Amen. But let me read from 25, because uh, just to give us a, a little bit of a picture of what was happening. So, or let me read 23, actually. It says, and the, in the evening, verse 23, and in the evening... And, and the evening and the morning were the fifth day. So that's the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures after his kind, cattle, creeping things, beasts of the earth, after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, verse 26, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So I guess when some people out there read this, they will, they will settle all argument that male and female created he them. There's nothing in between. Amen. So it says, and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Right? We see here where the Lord is giving, giving man generally the blessing of the spirit. He blessed them. And what blessing means to him is to be fruitful and to multiply. So when the Lord blesses something, what it does is it multiplies. So that's what uh, blessing is, that 
they put upon Adam here. It says, and replenish the earth. And it says, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So God said they should have dominion over all the things he created, right? So now what the Lord, all, everything that God created, if man is supposed to have dominion over them, now is he going to, be, is he going to do it naturally? It's impossible for him to operate and have dominion over the things naturally, right? An example, I think like we said on Tuesday, is when Jesus uh, was in the boat and there was wind all around. And everybody said, ah, do you care that we perish? He said, oh, you have little faith. You know, I said, ah, ah, must, you, must you all bother me? Yeah? You know what? Wind, peace be still. And immediately the wind was at peace. Why? That was not necessarily a miracle. That was just Jesus talking to the wind. That's an example of dominion over everything created. Now, if Jesus was able to do that, he didn't do it naturally. Because man can't interact with the world naturally. It's impossible. There's nothing, there's nothing natural about the world. So when God created the heavens and the earth, it was all spiritual. It's a spiritual thing. When God created Adam, where God put him, as we see here, is in the spirit. But let's read further. It says, uh, verse 29, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything <coughs> that creepeth upon the earth. Wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good, and everything and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So here, you notice that God already created man, right? That's in verse 27. It says, so God created man in his image, right? In the image of God created he, he, male and female. So God created. Then when we go to chapter 2, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his works. So this is a continuation, right? This is not, so you can't have a seventh day before the first day, right? Now, what I'm saying that is there are some scholars that believed that chapter 2 was a mistake to be a chapter 2, that chapter 2 is actually supposed to be chapter 1. Why? Because this is where they actually saw man being formed, right? But not really, because the scripture is continuing. It did not break. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and the host of them. And on the seventh day, so that's after the sixth day, which ended chapter one, right? And on the seventh day, God ended his works, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because then in it, he had rested from all his works, which God created and made. It says, verse 4, These are the generations of the heavens of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and the heavens. So, 
they began to tell us the plants of the field, you know. Uh, it says, verse 5, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth. So they're telling us about all the things that God created, right, in chapter 1. Right, it says, these are the generations, that's verse 4, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. You now notice that they are talking about the generations of the heaven and the earth, right? And of course, they are, they are not just talking about the heavens alone. This also involved the heavens of the earth, right? Because the, the heavens is not the only thing that, the, that God created, right? God created the heavens and the earth. Now, in chapter 1, it says, chapter 1, verse 1, right? They tell us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Of course, God created the heavens first before the earth. But they didn't tell us the time interval, right, between when God created the heavens and when God created the earth. Because, of course, here, later, when we read chapter 3, we see that Satan came. Now, that means that he has already fallen before they created the earth. So meaning that heaven must have been created before then. So things, God created the heavens because heaven is his throne and his kingdom ruleth over all. That's what Psalm 103 tells us. It says, says, the Lord has established his thrones in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. Meaning that the Lord must have first of all established his throne. Right? So it's not like he created everything and then he established and then his kingdom ruled over all. So therefore, he must create it. And, they, and, they, and they, tell, they were telling us in the book of Isaiah that the heaven is your throne, the earth is his footstool. Right? Clearly telling us that see, oh, heaven is his office. Right? Because this present heaven, we know that this present heaven is not his home. It's just his office. You know, office is a place you walk. Home is a place you rest. And they are telling us that he's going to go home. Right? And how did they tell us that? They tell us in the book of Peter, right? Telling us that, say, he will melt the, the heavens and that he will melt them with fervent heat. Say, he will fold the heavens as dot a garment. That means he's packing up and going home. <laughs> eh? No one from home. <laughs> it's true. He has, he has finished work. No more work from home. When he goes home, he's rest. No more work from home. And all of us, we all like work from home. Yeah? <laughs> well, I like work from home. But it's, like, but it's like that wisdom. It's like Satan crafted something. So that, you know, why don't you, why don't you use your home for rest anymore? Work from home. But technically, still, you can still rest at home. And after work, you rest. It's even the, the, at home, you can even rest. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Spiritually, don't work. When you should be resting. That's a different thing. No, that, no here you was, you know, you, you know, it makes things easy. But there, you don't work from home. When you're at home, it's rest. And Hebrews was telling us about rest, right? Telling us that there remained a rest for the people of God. So the th see this thing about heaven. Heaven is a, you know, there's, there's this whole picture about heaven that we all had when we were growing up, thinking oh, heaven is just one place where one old man with white beard, he's sitting on the throne, and after, you know, when I'm here, I should just do as much as, 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 much as I can to just please him, try to serve him, go to church, pray to him, make sure that he's always around me, and then perhaps I can make heaven, right? And that's it. But heaven is much more than that. Heaven is not just for, to make, right? It's not just all about making heaven. 
There's a whole lot about the heavens that we don't know. There's a whole lot about the God that we don't know that men should seek for. In short, the whole duty of men is to search out God. Right? Like, they tell us in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, say, for this is your duty of man. Right? What's your duty? To, ah, I don't want to paraphrase. There's a way, there's a way he said it, but I don't want to go there either too because I, want, I don't want to go away from this. Okay, somebody should help me also open Ecclesiastes 12 and then go to the last verse. I want to stay as well because of my thoughts. If not, I'll just jump and jump and jump. Amen. So Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and what does he say in the last verse about the old duty of man? Of the whole matter. Okay. Old duty of man. Say, fear God and keep his commandment, for this is the whole duty of man. So meaning that if they want to summarize our existence on earth, it's for those two things. For the purpose of fearing God and obeying his commandment. Now, because of sight and how we've grown, we, we, we misunderstand what it means to fear God and what it means to obey his commandment. Right? The, the sense of fearing God that we have is, see that old man on the throne with white beard, especially, you know, scripture tells us that he has he, he, hair white as wool. Right? So the picture, of, this, this is the picture I had about God when I was growing up. It just, I just picture him with white hair, wool, sitting on one throne, right? That I must not offend, right? I must not offend this God. And of course, I mean, we should not offend God. But where the, the place of understanding about fear is more of so that I don't go to hell, Right? But if you check the world today, you know the world has broken, broke that. So the world now wants to go to hell. They say, hell, bring it. Hell does not fear people anymore. In short, then, when, they, when you are, I don't know, I was say, saying earlier, there was a time I was, back in Nigeria, I was going to, to school, and there was a tract in the, in the taxi I was taking. The tract, they just show one picture. One red is red. I know when it's red, there's where it's going. The red is fire. I was just seeing fire and I was seeing Satan. Then when I looked at that picture, fear gripped my heart. Hey! I don't want to land here. <laughs> the moment I saw in the picture, I was, I was, okay, what should I repent? What should I repent? What should I repent? Huh? Have, I, have I sinned today? What's my sin? What's my sin? Lord, Lord, forgive me, forgive me. Whatever sin, sometimes you can't even picture what sin. I don't even know. Lord, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Why? We don't even know the sin. But just for the fear of not going to hell, God, forgive me my sin and and that's it. You know what I say? It ah, you know as much as that is still not the, the 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 response, but it was still good in a way because it kept me to fear God, right? But the fear of God that men should have today is actually love. To fear God is to love Him, right? So there's this picture we have about eternal judgment. Once you sin like this, you are going to hell. I don't want to go to hell, oh, that's why I fear God, right? And this God that is far on the throne. I can't approach him. I can't reach him. But it's not like that. There's much more to God than just fear, having fear of not going to hell. Right? Why? Because if we don't, if we don't want to go there, even both Christians and unbelievers, naturally, if we don't want to go to hell, they've brought hell on earth. Un unless somebody is not seeing that you will know that right now there's actually hell on earth. 
Go to any nation, you see hell everywhere. Some, they say some, some, some places are closer than, than some others. Like, like, a, like, a, like a joke we hear recently. Somebody was, was, uh, they, was uh, they, were, they were in hell, right? And they, I think they need to make, make a call. To, is it make a call to their family members or something just to tell them? And then some, some were calling, and when they, when they asked, after they finished the call, they spent me like one minute, and they said, like, how much is your bill? And they said, like, okay, $200. And then the next one, how much is your bill? Maybe an European, uh, 100 euro. And then they called one last guy, and they called. And then the person spent like, like one hour on the phone. And they said, ah, how much is your bill? Say, say like one naira or something. <laughs> so the question, where are you from? Say, I'm from Nigeria. It's a local call. <laughs> no, so, <laughs> no local call is cheap. Long distance is expensive. So they are saying some, some dishes are, I mean, it's just a joke, right? And, you know, pretty much trying to say that, there's hell in Nigeria. Of course, everybody that goes to Nigeria, they see <laughs> what they see is hell everywhere. Why? If you check, if you check the conversion from Nera to Dela, you say, ah, hell. When you see just somebody trying to eat, eat food, hell. To, just to take taxi, walk, they pay them salary, hell. Why? Everything is just hell, hell. Hell everywhere. But that's not the only kind of hell. That one is even a good hellish. But it's not even hellish. Why? Because, I mean, I'm not saying it's good that people are suffering. I'm just saying there's something to put in the heart of people. Everybody knows when you go there, people have the fear of God. When you go to Nigeria, there's fear of God. Nobody can just be so bold to come out, say, I'm a man, and if you are a woman, no. First of all, not even the church, people will just look at you. Are you okay? But here, all kinds of death. When you come to nations like this, Canada, US, the, the Western world, Europe, those places, they are full of hell. Why? Because the life that is being propagated there is hellish life. Right? Today, you want to try and raise kids, they'll tell you, you have to teach them certain things. I'm like, what? no, 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 it's my child. I, want, I don't want to teach them, you know, as long as you bring them to school, you must teach them this one. No, sorry, I don't want to. It's not necessary. It's not even, in my book, it's not righteous. So when you're talking about hell, it's more than just a place burning with fire that people don't want to go to. Whether, you are, whether, whether there's judgment to go there, it's already here. That's a summary. Hell is already here. And what, what, most people call, what most people don't know is that hell doesn't look like hell. In short, when you have hell, it looks like sweet. It looks like uh, enjoyment. It looks like, oh, okay, this one. Is, you know, for example, when you come here, you know, you just come and you know, tell you, you know, uh, take this you know, health card, this card. Uh, I know it's different for students now because these days they've changed everything. Before, you students used to enjoy all these things too, but now they've taken it away. They've thrown them into another kind of hell. That's another kind of hell. Amen. But before, they used to add everything, and you come, they just give you, you know, uh, health care. Well, you, know, you, don't, you don't have work, okay. Employment insurance, okay. What else? That's if you have worked a bit. And then what, you know, almost, almost everything seems to be going smooth because if you don't have money, you can get a credit card. You know, almost like things are set, but no, it's not true. It's the kind of peace that the world gives. It's not the peace that Jesus gives. He says, my peace I give to you, not as the world give it. Give it I. So there's a different kind. That, that peace is arranged around some things, right? It's a wisdom that arranged it. I'm not saying they are bad or credit card or anything, but I'm just saying that there's a wisdom that arranged it. Hell is already here. In short, if you ask me, the, the call that is for one hour, that the Nigerian guy made should actually be like a thousand dollars. 
But the call from like US or Canada should be like one cent. Because here is closer to hell. The culture, the the the, the life that is lived is closer to hell. Because there is no fear of God. So like I was saying, let me quickly go back. The fear of God is not just being afraid of going to hell. The fear of God is actually falling in love with God. When somebody fears God, the whole duty to fear God, is there, sh there should be desires in the heart of a man to seek out God where he can find it. God, where are you? Can I see your face? You will see, the, the, the things that the patriarchs looked for it's not money, it's not, it's not car, it's not gold, it's not God. Help me to uh, succeed in life. What patriarchs were looking for is a kind of blessing, a kind of hope. Like Moses would say, God, show me that. If I have found mercy in your sight, show me your face. It's the face of God he was looking for. That's what the face of God looks like. The face of God is not just, um, uh, how do I put it? It's not, the face of God is, is not... Uh, the Lord coming and this, you've seen me and then he blesses you with things. No. The face of God is much more than that. The face of God is, when there's no way you see the face of God, you won't inherit. What comes from his face is inheritance. When the Lord shines his face, what is beaming is his person. It's from the face the knowledge of God comes. There are things that God can do that has nothing to do with his face. It's his hand. Take my hand. Like him parting the Red Sea. It was the hand of God for Moses. After he had done all these miracles and everything, he now said, see, this God, I know there's something about you. You're not just all about parting Red Sea. There's something about you. There's something about you. Can you show me? There's, this is your face. There's something about it. Show me your face. The Lord said, ah, you see, my servant Moses, I can't just show you my face. But what I'll do is I'll give you a similitude of it. You won't see it exactly. But you see something like it. I'll just show you my back. That that's what Moses saw. But his, his, his desire was to look for the person of God. His God is seeking for. want to see his face. So that the, the whole duty of man is not to be the best doctor, the best engineer. The, that's not the whole duty of man. Those things are things we just need to do here because of a need to eat. Right? It's a need to eat. Sell it does not work, should not eat. Is a need to eat. So pretty much if you're not working, okay. So in the course of working, there are things we do like go to school to get a profession, like different, different things for the purpose of just working. And what, where does that end? It's to ensure that one way or the other, the Lord can come to provide. I mean, the Lord is bigger than that. The Lord can still make provisions for things, right? When it comes to maybe making provision for money and all that, God is bigger than that. But God allows us to go through the natural course of the world. Right? When it comes to going to school, finishing school, uh, passing, getting a job. You know, the summary of going to school is that you're educated. You get a job. After a job, what else? Some of us will be for to permanent residence. Even for permanent residence and even PR and citizenship, it's still for food. Right? Why? Because we want to stay here where there's all kinds of benefits. Right? So, the, when we say the best of the best is still for food. But that's not the old duty. It's the old duty of man just to eat. No. What the Lord created man for is for those two things. To fear God and keep his commandment. It is out of love that keeping, you know, commandments sometimes can look like don't, don't steal. And we think, ah, 
they are grievous. No. Those things are the things souls will do joyfully when they are in love with God. They don't even need to think about it. It's not, you know something, you know, the way we think about it these days, especially when I was thinking about Jesus, God as one old man on the throne, the way I see his commandment is more like, I must not commit sin. I must not do this, I must not do that. But it's more than that. Right? There's a way the Lord, it is not, it, the, there will be a natural love for not to sin. It's out of, it's out of the knowing of his face. Amen. Sin in itself will have a different definition. You know, most of the time we don't know what sin is. You know, most of the time we just think, okay, if I avoid all these ten commandments, okay, if I keep these ten commandments, I have not sinned. But then we should check in scripture, is that the standard? Not really. Because when the rich man came to Jesus, say for all these things have I obeyed since the time I was young. Okay, all these things you've obeyed. But there's something Jesus did to him. He said, okay, go sell all that you have and follow me. Then the scripture tells us that he went back sorrowful. Meaning that to follow the Lord, to love the Lord, is more than just obeying the law. It's not just about I've done this, I've done that. It's not just about I've kept this, I've kept that. There's, sin is beyond that. What did, what stop, what, 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 the reason why that man was sorrowful was because of sin. It, there's something he hasn't overcome yet. Say, sell all that. Meaning that his life, Jesus knew where his life was hiding. And but what he wanted is for him to give his life to Jesus. You know what? Go and sell all that. So that guy that was obeying the law can be, can be uh, reckoned with a soul that has just given his life to Jesus. But later, says, I've given my life to Jesus. I've obeyed all these laws. Say, hey, okay, there's another part. You've given your life. There's another part to giving your life. You know how to give your life. Because when they got born again, they didn't know what to give. That's why that rich man was giving the law. I've obeyed all this. It's a sign of giving. He was giving something. Then Jesus said to him, okay, there's something you need to give me. Your life. So Jesus looked for where his life is hiding. Right? Because sometimes, as we are growing, our life can be hiding in different things. <clears throat> For me, I think when I was growing up then, what my life was hiding in is to become a rich engineer. Perhaps, you know, once you engineering, you graduated. The Lord did this such that I didn't even work as an engineer. Right? No. No, there's that mind. You know, everybody that come from Nigeria, I don't know, maybe, you know, there's, there's just this mind. We are coming from there, you know. Can either be a lawyer, a doctor, an engineer, or uh, what's the fourth one? Oh, disgraceful family, that's the last one. Wow. <laughs> so there's, there's, it's just only four. Either you're a lawyer, you are a doctor, engineer, or a disgrace to the family. <laughs> so they categorize every other profession as disgrace. But that's not how it is. Because what the scripture says is that whatever you find your hand to do, uh, that's what the scripture says, right? <laughs> so those four, that one is our own sin that we carry from Nigeria. In the same we carried about. Uh, so that when everybody, it's sure when everybody comes here, the first thing they are looking for, okay, so that they, they, everybody wants to look at that uh, engineer, doctor. But when you now look at the way the, the, the environment is, there are actually some professions, indeed, that you can do that most people don't even know. That when you look at it, the effort and the, the compensation is much more rewarding than all those three ones, right? And those ones that we are talking about can be the disgrace to the family. Imagine somebody say, I want to be a cook. I'm not saying cook. Imagine somebody say, I want to be a cook. The first thing they look at you right, from your family is, I want to be a cook. The first thing that is striking them is, ah, 
Of what use is that? And how much will you be making? And after all that, then there's another consideration. Who will I tell my friends? Ah, my, my daughter, my son is a cook. Ah, no, imagine they've been imagining, oh, my son is, a, is an engineer. Or my daughter is a doctor. No, notice that, you know, most of us don't know. You know, suppose our parents, they will be excited. I mean, not every parent, you get it, but, you know, there's some joy. There's, there's just some joy about when they're talking among friends, and they say, oh, where's your, where's your son? Where's your daughter? Oh, my, my son is in Canada. Hey, what, what, what are you doing there? Well, um, uh, he's, he's actually reading his engineering degree. He'll be done, you know, in the next two years. Then after we finish, then maybe the guy decided to do master's. Ah, what's your son now? Oh, he's reading his master's now. He's a, he's a master of engineer. You know, he's an engineer. He's real, very, very, very beautiful. And, you know, awesome, uh, you know, result he has been bringing home. You know, pride of, you know. Why? Because I was, he's a teen. You know, he's a, he's a, why? I, in case most of us don't know, me, I smelt it when I was growing up. But I didn't smell it as something bad. I just felt that's the way things are. When, when you see parents gathered talking, right, just adults generally, you see the pride in where is your son, where is your daughter. Ah, and somehow those, those things sometimes kind of send a signal to souls around here and even us kids are like, okay, me too, maybe I should be an engineer. So they may, they may not say it outrightly, but so, somehow something I just trained the mind to just go in a specific direction. Must be a lawyer. Okay, if you're not any of that, whatever you have must be bringing money home. Must be bringing money. It must not be a janitor. It must not be a disgrace to the family. <laughs> it must not be somebody that uh, is doing construction. It cannot be somebody that is a uh, you know sometimes when you hear construction, the first thing you hear is a, a brickler. That's the name they give it, bricklayer. With pan on their head, that's the picture. But here is a different thing. But when you hear carpenter, the first thing, ah, ah, somebody carry her man kneeling. Ah, ah. I know, I know, I know you're kidding that the carpenter. No, 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 no. Ah. So when they hear carpenter, the first thing they think of is yakini. Right? Because you know back home, we all have carpenters. They are, they create, I don't know how sophisticated they are now, but at least that time before I left, bed, furnitures, chairs, we'll give it to carpenters. It's carpenters that make them. Not like here that you go to the store and then you go and then JYSK or uh, IKEA will not tell you, give you screws and stuff where you arrange your bed. Such that when you fall on it, it will break. I don't know all this, all, you know, all this technology sometimes. They say, technology, but it's. The materials are getting weaker. It's not like, but when a carpenter creates uh, a furniture for you, it's sturdy, it's solid. It can stand the test of time. And here, carpenters, they earn a fortune. Unlike back home, where if you're a carpenter, ah, the first. So when you, maybe you come here and you tell, Daddy, I want to go into trade school to read carpentry, the first thing, Yekini. Ah, so you'll be like Yekini. No, 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 no. Ah, what did they do? That carpentry, what, where can you work? Ah, like, why, why carpentry? Then maybe sometimes, somehow, the child can then eventually, you know, convince the parent, and then maybe, not the only thing that can give them peace. When you are telling them you want to be a carpenter, it's two things. First, tell them you can use it to get your permanent residence. Two, that he earns good money. Once you give them those two things, case closed. 
Okay, that's it. Okay, you are free to go. Right? Why? Because he has to paint a hope of a life. Right? He has to give a hope. Okay, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'll try and speed up quickly. He's giving a hope of a life. But all those things, right? That's not the main. Knowing God is because all these things, when we talk about knowing God, that's what we tie knowing God to. Okay, to achieve this, to achieve that, be the best. But knowing God is much more than that. It's much more than that. Knowing God has, has nothing to do with, with the best of schools. It has nothing to do with all that. I mean, we should go to school and get, right? I'm just trying to center in on the main, the main. And knowing God, it's not just to know God to pass in school. Knowing God has an end, has, an, has a hope, has an inheritance. Has a, there's something it's painting to us. Amen. So, they're not telling us that to love God, to love God, is to know God. To keep his commandment, it's not just to keep those things that we think when we do them, we avoid sin. Sin is much more than just those ten commandments. In short, most men don't know what sin is. Sin is a wisdom. Sin, sin, sin is so wise, and the way it has crafted itself is to walk with men, make men fall in love with him, and then start telling them, do you know what sin is? See that one, that is sin. When you do all these, when you don't do all these commandments, you have sinned, right? It's sin that I will be telling souls all that so that they can keep it. But where sin truly hide is in men's life. If somebody wants to trace what sin is and find where it's at, the first place to look is my life. Okay, in my life, what can I, what can I find? That's where you can locate it. It's not in just the things. Although it do things, like sin makes men do things, right? To, to, to at least make them, okay, don't do, do this one. It's almost like keeping them in slavery. So sin can make people fornicate, uh, can make people lie, can make people covert or be lustful, right? But if you check the commandment, really, when you're when you checking it, you know the commandment is not, you know they say it's 10, but can't summarize to two. Love God. What, what, what is Jesus that made it clear? See, all this law can be just, it's just two things. Love God with all your might, this, this, what God told Israel. All your heart, all your might, all your strength. I said the second one is like unto the other. I mean, it's like loving God. And I says, love your neighbor. But nobody would ever think that. So you're telling me that that shall not commit adultery. That shall not commit fornication. That shall not uh, covet your brothers. Is all of those things is talking about loving God and loving my neighbor. Can you now see? If the way, imagine, I'm talking because I'm trying to see where, the way I used to see sin. Right? To me, when you talk about sin, I've seen is these things, this Ten Commandment, anything beyond that, I don't even have any picture of what sin is. Right? But the person that will know is who has kept all these things. Okay. After you've kept all these things, you know that there's more. Okay, there's something about God that, you know, ah, okay. Ah. I'm not even saying that it's only the person that have kept all this that can get there. Even if they've not kept it, the, the Lord can do it in such a way that they'll begin to create desires and hunger in the heart. That's how the Lord moves souls to harvest souls away from their old knowledge into the new. You begin to give desires for hunger. For desire to know, because that's the real thing. 
in tr the truth of the matter is that the soul, the Lord crafted it as a tool of hunger. If we talk about the body, you don't see hunger. When you talk about the spirit, you don't see hunger. It's the soul where you find hunger. Amen. I know we started from spirit, soul, body. That's why we landed here. But <laughs> So I've talked about, let me retrace my steps. So I've talked about um, the old duty of man, right? Which is to love God and keep his commandments. That love aspect is very essential. I mean, we all know, we've been exploring that, the, that aspect of the love of God, right? To love God, to love God. Most of the time we think we love God. But sometimes the Lord needs to appear and show, Phew, I think you need to love me more. And the reason is because the way the Lord crafted the soul, like we've been, we've been saying, is the soul is, is, an, is an elastic material. It's an elastic fabric. It can stretch in certain seasons. But the truth of the matter is that it can also contract. As long as it can stretch, it can also contract. So it's possible as we are growing spiritually, we might be stretching at some point. Then after a while, we stop stretching. Even the one that is stretched, the, the, where we have been stretched to, can contract. If souls are not moving forward, they are not joining. Because the, 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 the only safe state for a soul is that it is expanding. Until it expands to eternity or to, or to be eternal. And why is that? Because the only thing that can satisfy the soul is God. God is eternal. That's the only person that can fit into the soul. So can never, ever, 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 ever find any satisfaction unless it is God that is fitting into it. And God can fit into it in levels. So each time a soul will find satisfaction is when there's some measure of God inside the soul. Then the Lord can create hunger again. A soul doesn't have the ability by itself to generate hunger. It's not that creates hunger. So when the Lord creates hunger, it expands again. Then if God fills it again, then the Lord expands it. Then he fills it again. Amen. And as he keeps expanding, he's filling the soul. And as he's filling the soul, the soul is finding pleasure. Things that, satisf that truly satisfies. Because most of the time, we just try one or two things. It doesn't work. Ah! Amen. Sorry, I've, I've said a lot. But the, how I landed here, right, is the old duty of man. But where I'm coming from, right, is what the Lord created. Right? Because of time, let me move backward. Amen. I hope I'm not disjointed, eh? So, like I was saying, the Lord created the heavens, so every plant of the field, it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. Right? So, coming back here, we see clearly here that the Lord has created the heavens, and the earth, right? Then when he created the earth, he created man, right, in chapter 1. Then chapter 2, they were telling us that there was not a man to till the ground. So that tells us that man is a spirit, right? So the aspect of man that is created is the spirit man. So is the man is a spirit, now, the Lord has not yet formed, so perhaps what's appearing in the spirit is an image of man. Adam, that looks like, you know, 
like us. Like, I don't know what Adam looks like, so I can't say. But what we can only say is that when you look at yourself and you look at, okay, Adam must have looked like, like us. He has eyes, he has nose, you know. The picture, what he looks like, we don't know. Right? But perhaps when we get there, we'll see him. We'll, ah, so this is how you look like. Or you, don't, you know, when we get to heaven, we'll see him. And then we we'll say, ah, when I say heaven, I'm not saying this one that they will rule up. There's a new one, like I was saying. This one is his office. Right? That's what I was saying earlier. So this heaven is his office. Right? So he created the heavens and the earth. He created the office and created the earth. Then he's going to wrap up work from home. Right? Where, this office where he works, you, you wrap it up and then move to the new heaven and the new earth where they were telling us in the book of Revelation. And then the book of Revelation is how they are telling us how we are going to arrive there. You know, most of the time when we read the book of Revelation, it's so scary. I remember the first time I heard about Revelation, the only picture I have when I hear Revelation is hell. The moment they say, ah, the book of Revelation, hey, the first thing that comes to mind is, hey, there's going to be judgmental. Hi, somebody, nobody will walk here and then somebody will be taken. Rapture. Hey. But if you read the book of Revelation, you see that there's actually nothing about rapture there. <laughs> when you read it, you see that, ah, what Jesus is actually saying is actually not rapture. There are other things they're saying there. Just that we joined other books that talked about things like rapture, like Matthew, right? Because Jesus was teaching his Matthew 24 thereabout, right? But even that rapture, right? I'm not saying it's not going to appear, but that rapture. Most people don't know that that rapture has been, is, it will be happening before this whole thing they're saying. Because rapture simply means cut up, to be cut up. So one will be working and the other will be cut up. So that's what rapture is. But souls can be raptured before the actual rapture. Because that is the last judgment. That's, that, that's just the last so they've done everything, okay, final judgment, oh yeah, let's, let's wrap up the age, rapture. That one is the rapture of the body. Right? Like I was saying, there's three parts, spirit, soul, and body. The moment somebody gets born again, their spirit is already raptured. That's just the truth. Their spirit is already cut up. So we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's cut up. But there's a part that is not yet cut up. We'll see that part. So I'm, it's like I'm just dissecting spirit, soul, and body, right? So there, there is all this revelation, Ay, doom and gloom, the sun will be turned, and then the moment you see eclipse, the first thing that comes, I remember I was in school, secondary school that time, eclipse was about to happen, I remember having a feeling, is Jesus about to come? <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I have a feeling. You know that time, and we're in school, and they're telling us that, uh, you know, there's going to be an eclipse of the sun uh, for some time, there will be darkness. Um, don't look straight at the sun because of the rays, and they were telling us all kind of things. Although I used to try to sneaky look at the sun. Like, ah, well, let me, this thing I, said, I don't know why souls are like that. If the thing they say you should not do, that's the thing the soul wants to do. I don't know. Say, don't do that. Okay. Ah, they hurt me now. <laughs> no, that's how we are most of the time. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is that. The thing is that if something has happened to my eye, I won't know. But I will feel like nothing has happened. That's the, that's the problem with that kind of... You know, sometimes when you tell kids, hey, don't go there. It's like, it's that time. Eh? Then the kids will be smiling. <laughs> 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 we'll look at you, be smiling. 
will touch it. Ah, why? 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 It's like it's the nature of the soul sometimes. Yeah? To just the, the, what, the truth of the matter is that the soul likes mystery. Things that's mysterious is an adventure for the soul. So if not used rightly, it can be misused. So all these things, see, adventure, all those crafting, the Lord is the way the Lord crafted the soul for the purpose of hunger. Imagine there is no, imagine they said the child, don't go there. Immediately, some kind of hunger has, has been created. I want to see it. Ha, why? Because the soul loves mysteries. So when there's a mystery, there's, there will be an hunger. So the Lord, all those things, Satan that has trained men differently to live certain way, right? You know what I'm saying? When they say, don't go there, please don't go there. You never, the truth is you never know <laughs> who might be there. Me, I just look at the sun, nothing happens. But sometimes it may not be some kind of thing. Sometimes the soul may not even see it. They just say, see that, please don't go there. See that one, it's dangerous. There's a reason. Sometimes the person saying it, sometimes but I even gone there, be. They, maybe they put their hands up fire, ah! And then they were, they were burned. And then they see somebody in a trajectory, ah! Don't go there. You know, sometimes souls may not tell you why. Oh, okay, the, maybe the person telling you may not necessarily tell you why. The thing is that don't wait for the why. Yeah. Be wise. Not like, like, uh, so Benji will say, so when you see Nicodemus was running, or let, for example, when you see, okay, it's, it's a very simple thing. You see, there was an earthquake, then animals were going to the, I've left what I'm saying, but I'll go back. Animals were going up to the mountain, and the, the people followed them. Well, what was happening? They just followed the animal, and then they realized that there was tsunami that's about to happen. So the, the goats went to the top where the thing won't reach, because they were able to pick seismic, uh, seismic activities. That's how they were saved. So sometimes when you see, it's true, even here, when you see somebody just all of a sudden picking race, vroom. In this, in this, in this nation, it's very weird. So that sometimes they will try, hey, why is he or she running? Problem. But there's a place, and, and I like, and I like if, especially in America, the black Americans are not like that. And, 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 I can, and I can sense why, because they came from where we are from. Have you seen any black person? When they say, ah, problem, they are doing like this. Maybe you see maybe one or two anomalies, but 90%, something, they won't even ask questions. Race, boom. Like, you know, many kids you see and watch on, <laughs> on, YouTube, on YouTube, and then maybe they try to play a prank, and then all of a sudden somebody will just start running. <laughs> and then, when they say that, they, bah, start running. And then the person will just laugh. Say, ah, what's happening? Nothing. Why are you running? Ah, I saw you running. It's because they are wise. <laughs> Why? Because I don't even want to go and look yeah. at what is happening there. Let me say myself now. What some souls would like to go? Uh, let's ask questions. Let's start. There's some souls would like to look. Is that thing they want to go and see? Okay. Can you explain it to me? Let it make sense. It's not making sense now. Explain. Okay. How? 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 Okay. 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 Now it makes sense. Okay. I'll not go there. Ah. It's all right. You see, didn't go, thank Jesus. But here's the thing. Before, maybe let's say the time you're asking question, the thing that they're running from is approaching. So before you finish asking the question, you would have caught up. And then by the time you say, let me go now, too late. <laughs> right, because the thing is just right behind. Sorry, I'm just saying that. Most of the time, it's good to be obedient. Right, so when you say, ah, don't go there. Ah, 
Even though I may not know it, just position heart with meekness. Okay, let me see. Perhaps there may be something I'm not seeing. It's a good heart posture. Amen. What I'm saying, the heart is curious. The Lord has all those kind of things. It's not, it should not be misused. Everybody will sit in their life. There are things they're excited to learn. Sometimes when they see some kind of, so for example, some people that take some profession, right? They just like some things. For example, I just, maybe somebody just likes solving problems. I don't know, just, it's just a soul thing. Then they can, souls can give themselves to it, try to use it, but most of the time those things don't actually hit the mark of what it's created for. You can use some of those things to work, to play, do different things, but the real truth is that those kind of things don't find fulfillment unless the true search is for the Lord. Amen. Imagine scripture saying that the pleasure on his right hand forevermore. They are even telling us that there are pleasures you can't finish. So if we are saying in a lifetime there are pleasures you can't finish, then there must be something about this God. I need to, of course, those pleasures can't be about him providing for me. And it has to be something else entirely. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, the thing that the Lord has shown us clearly is that there's something about the soul. No, I'm just searching on the soul. But let me just quickly go back to the book and let me read. So the Lord created the heavens, right, his office, that they're going to wrap up and all that. And then he created the earth, right? Then when he created the earth, he created man. Then he tied everything about man, right? He, he tied everything he created. Let me put that. He tied everything he created to man. So if he tied everything he created to man, it means that man can't be natural. Because the things he created are not natural. So he created the heavens, then he created the earth. On the earth, the Lord also created the heavens of the earth. So the earth itself has its heavens. If the earth has its heavens, then you clearly will know, clearly, it's not just this one we are looking at, that we call summer. Right? For us that know, for, you know, it's just what did the Bible use for, for heavens? Summer. Sky. Ojuaro. Means the, the face of the Heavens. That's what Yoruba calls heaven. They, they, they call it the face of the heavens. Truly, the, uh, Yoruba is a very interesting language. Truly, the face of the heaven is actually is a true, is a wisdom somehow. I don't know how they arrived there, but that meaning is the face. Because heavens are phases. Heavens can be used as a face, right? Because that's where the face of the covering cast is. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So I'll try as much as possible to quickly round up because you know, I've given us some stories. Okay. Amen. So they created the heavens of the earth, and then they created the earth, and then they put money in there. And then they're telling us in this chapter 2, right, that after he created the spirit, right, then he created what? the if He now formed man. This is the aspect of man. So the first man that they created, right, is the inner man. Then the second man that they created says in verse 6, but there went up a mist from the earth and watered, right, the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life. And man became a... Living so so clearly here, this is where they now did the work or they did the surgery of infusing the 
in, the inward and the outward man. So this is where the inward and the outward man appear. And of course, you need the outward man for, for the man to appear. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, so the inward man is created. The outward man is created. The inner man is created. Praise the Lord. Uh, and they are telling us here that, okay, let me read verse 8. Okay, verse 7 says the man was created to be a living soul. So the soul is living. And the Lord God planted a garden. So verse, verse 8, this one, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So man is an, is an eastward man. Amen. So all of us should arrive in the east. That's what we have been, we have been learning now. See? Things of God must come from the east. So there's something about the east. Amen. Uh, such that even when you, when you see traces, even in the, in the Old Testament, you see when uh, the prophets pray, the, uh, Dan, when Daniel is praying, he faced the east to pray. Right? When uh, Israel will build the temple, is in the east. It's like even Israel is positioned in the east. Where, where the, the, the promised land is, where the inheritance is, is, the, is in the Middle East, is in the east there. So it's somehow eastward, right? I don't know why, I mean, the Lord is just telling us that you know, this east thing, we must, we must not you know, miss out of the east, amen. Praise the Lord. So the east uh, is the Lord's address. <laughs> that's, that's God's address. And you say, well, where are you? I'm, he's in the east. Number one, east street. <laughs> Maybe that's, maybe that's where, you know, all those, um, uh, the demarcations in uh, Calgary, uh, Alberta, all the Alberta lands. It's only about, I think Saskatchewan too has some kind of uh, coordination. So they coordinate according to the four cardinal points. And even when the Lord is looking at the earth, he sees the four cardinals, not east, west, south. Right? When they're talking about, when the Lord is talking, we'll talk about north, south, east, ahead. And then when they're now moving to the heavens, because it's not only the earth that have all those cardinal points, the heavens also have cardinal points. Why? Because it says uh, in, the, in the sides of the north, in the, uh, the scriptures tell us the sides of the north, right? So the sides of the north is actually north and south. So the sides of the north is north, but south can be north, north can be south. And that's what we begin to learn, because those are the gates of the temple. Right, you can come in through the north or the south, right? In the sides of the north, right? In the uh, beautiful for creation, uh, that's what psalm is that again? The joy of the whole world. It's Mount Zion, <laughs> right? So they're telling us that Mount Zion is is like a, is Mount Zion is like. Ah, wow, the Bible is interesting, because Mount Zion is. Is they are telling us that Mount Zion is somehow in the sides of the north. So because you need Mount Zion before you can get east, right? That's what they are, they are beginning to tell us, right? Before you begin to move eastward, because it's only the Lord that comes from the east. So you can go through north and south, north and south, right? 
those, those arena. And where you find those arena is almost in, 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 they call it the sides of the knot. So because you, before you move into, because you know the sides of the, those knots that you're telling us is the everlasting life, right? So before you arrive there, you must pass through, the, must pass through Zion, right? It's when you get to the peak of Zion, you can arrive in everlasting life. Amen. So they are still telling us in the size of the north, they pointed us in the direction. So scripture, I won't be surprised if where we got all our, I mean, GPS and everything is from here. Side of the north. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So uh, let's move back to chapter 8. So, and the Lord God planted a garden. I don't know why it's cold a bit. Is it cold? Let my legs feel a little, a little bit cold. It's better, eh? Okay. Because this one will not allow cold to, but my leg can be cold a bit. Amen. So, and the Lord God planted the garden eastward in Eden. Because of time, I'll try and round up now. Okay. So, we can see, verse 7, that the Lord created the inward man, who is a living soul. And God breathed into his nostril the breath of life. So, it, what, take, what it takes for a, a living soul to be, to be, is it bettered? I use, use the word bettered, right? Is breath. And scripture tells us that this breath is not just, God will help me to finish quickly. This is my explanation. It's, it's quite long. Amen. So, okay, God will help me so I will arrive where I Quickly, amen. So, the breath, the breath that what created man is breath. And what that breath is, is spirit. Right? So, breath is spirit. And if breath is spirit, it means that man that is created or so that is formed with spirit can't be natural. Right? It's impossible for him to be natural because he's not a natural man. It's not enough. It's a, it's a supernatural. It supersedes the natural because what he has is spirit. Spirit goes beyond the natural, right? Spirit is what was moving up. The spirit of the Lord was moving upon the, the face of the waters. Then, he, ah, he said, okay, it's time to create. Then he began to create things. Then God said, let there be light. Let there be, let there be. So spirit is beyond the natural. So, spirit is beyond creation. Right? And anything that will come after it should be beyond creation. Amen? So, man is not just, an, it's not, it's not just a created man. It's also a formed man. And in the formation, right, is where his, his frame, his lines, things they used to make him, Right? And if they, if, when the design is made by spirit that is above creation, it means that he himself, right, is supernatural. Amen. So we are back to where I started from. And, you know, so I can quickly you know, wrap up. Like I'm saying, God will help me. So man, what I was trying to explain since is that man is more than natural. The way he was created, the way he was framed, the way it was formed is beyond the natural. So man can't live naturally. But what Satan did is that it stopped men from living supernaturally. 
you began to do, there's a lot of, because of time, you know, if I, if I start talking about those things now, you know, I may not eventually finish what I wanted to say, right? But there's a lot of things Satan did to man from the beginning till now that he's still doing. Mostly, what he's doing is to remove every element of spirit, every element of life from man, right? To make man less of a spirit. Like I was saying, God breathed into the nostril. When God was forming, God formed with spirit, breath, nefesh, right? That's what scripture uses. What scripture uses breath, spirit. That's how man is created. So you can't, you can't say, even though he has a physical body, he's not natural. Right? It's called spirit is what they used to put the living to, to and man say God for, for, formed him out of the dust. So that's the outward. So the spirit is there. God formed him out of the dust. That's the you know, when you say form, that's the clay. Right? Statue that just stand like that. Can't move. Like all the statues you see everywhere. Then after that, because that was just his cloth. Like you're wearing cloth like this. That's what this outward body is. So when they are rapturing the spirit, soul, and the body, you now see why they have to rapture everything. God wants to take care of everything. But God breathed into man, then he infused spirit, soul together, and then they are in the body. And man became a living soul. That's why we have the inward man. Then they now, like we were saying on Tuesday, they now make the inward man the engine. Right? It's the powerhouse. Just like if you have a factory, you need, you need a power. You, like this building now, there's, there's a source of power. If you remove that power, this, this, the building is most likely functionless. I mean, you can use some part of it, but you can't have AC. Ah, let them take light in winter. That's the one you know that the building needs power. Summer, we can do shakarand. Okay, two power hours. You know what? We'll just go outside and just play. Let them do it in winter. You'll know that something has happened. In short, everybody will start praying, Lord, let them bring back light. Although we do that a lot in Nigeria, but here, you know, sometimes we don't even pray that kind of prayer again. Eh? We, just, we just believe, oh, they'll bring light in the next 30 minutes or an hour. You know, you know, they have it all together. But even at that, imagine now, there was a day they took light for hours in our area. The house became cold. Nobody told me before I carry my jacket and move out. First of all, I went to a Timothy's. And after a while, I said, you know what, I'll say to you, but I went back home. Ah! That is still cold. Light is not back. I had to go somewhere else. So the house was very cold. It means that every house needs its power. And you know that man is a house. Yeah. And therefore, it needs a power. And the power of the house of a man is its soul. Now realize that it's with the soul, man do a lot of things. So meaning that everything that pertains to a man is not just about the outward. Right? It's more about the inward. So, the inward man is the essential part of man. And the Lord is awesome in the way he did it. He put him in the middle. Call him the middle man of the man. Right? Why? Because the spirit is a man. The outward man is a man. Then the middle man is the one that bridges the gap between the spirit and the outward. So, the gap between the in, out, inner and the outward is the inward. Sometimes when I'm saying inward, I have a feeling of inside and outside. Inward man. Inward. Inward. It's like outward. Inner. Inward. It's like combining the two. In. Outward. 
inward is in and out. That's when you look at that, those two wo those words. So the inward man, so is the inward and the outward man together. Or is the inner and the outward. Meaning that with the soul, you're actually spiritual. And you're actually natural. No, you're not natural, sorry. Let me rephrase that. You're actually, you're actually spiritual. And you're actually physical. You, you exist in the you, you exist physically. You express. <laughs> Why? Because the what they use the body for is the expression of the soul. So, you can have things in your soul without being able to express it. If you are joyful, you know it's not in your mouth who see it. It's in your heart and the way you express it, in your expression. If you are sad, do you know what is sad? It's not your face. What is sad is your soul, your heart. Then it can show in the face. When you are happy, glad, joyful, what is happy is not the thing we see. It's the, it means there's another man. So we are not all just about the outward. There's another man that is happy, excited, joyful, that can express. He's both the inward and the inner. When you are excited in your spirit, you can show in the natural. When you are excited in your spirit, you can flow into your soul. Then your soul can tell your body, express joy. Imagine you don't have this body. You won't be able to express anything. So when a man begins to think about themselves, they should not just think about this physical body. They should think more about all that is inside. I don't know why we're talking about this soul, this soul, all this time. I don't know. Are we talking about soul? Eh? Anyways. So the, this man... This man that we're looking at, you and me, when, we look at, when I say you, the you I'm talking to is not this body I'm seeing. Yeah. The you I'm talking to is the person in, on the inside. It's your soul that is hearing me. Yeah. It's not your body. It's not your mind. It's not your brain. The person, what interacts with one another is the inward man. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, we see clearly here that this, this inward man is spiritual. It's not natural. So, therefore, it can't be natural. And it can think naturally. Amen. Praise the Lord. So let me quickly go back to the First uh, Corinthians chapter 2. So finally I'm back to the First Corinthians so I can finally journey to where I'm going. Amen. So First Corinthians chapter 2. Let me uh, summarize that. Chapter 2 verse 14. It says, uh, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So the way, uh, the way man receives. So they are talking about. So here they are talking about this, the man, the, the spiritual man, receiving the things of the Spirit of God, right? So technically, in a way, we can say that they are talking about a, the way a man receives. To be honest. Why? Because God didn't design man to be learning Satan. Right? Initially in the garden, what God designed man to learn is himself. So, so you can take this and pick it and see how is man supposed to learn. Man is supposed to be living by discerning. Discerning what? Spiritually. Okay, what does that mean? You see that everything that is running around in this world, everything that is moving, there's a spirit behind it that needs to be discerned. No, now I'm not saying that 
when you are going, ah, who's the witch and wizard behind this one? No. <laughs> that, one, that one is too low. Right? The, when you're talking about the spirit that behind things to be, things to be descends. So, as a, as a living soul, like one thing I wanted to mention earlier is that Adam was descending all, you know, later they, took, they brought all the animals to him before they created, before they brought out Eve. They created both Adam and Eve in chapter one. But it is, we didn't see God formed Adam first, then later Eve. Then when, before Eve came, God, Adam was, God said, Adam, name these animals. How do you think Adam was naming all of them? He didn't just look and say, okay, lion, you, you roar. So, lion. You, you know the name and the, doesn't gel, right? Or zebra. And then you say, okay, because you have lines, you know, you are called zebra. Right? But that's not what he was naming. He looked that each animal discerned them and then impute nature. You be lion. You know all these lion and everything is we that named them. Mm-hmm. It's men that later named them. Antelope. Uh-huh. Before they were just beasts of the earth. They were all creeping things. Birds. Right? Animals, birds, and creeping things. So they didn't have name. Like lion. is we. That named them. But scripture just tells you who they are. Lion. Z- they call them creeping thing. Fish. Swimming. Right? But really, what Adam did is Adam descend them spiritually. God created them. He descend them. Then he gave nature to them. So Adam pretty much was telling each animal how to be. Yeah. So that's how man should be living. Man should not be living as if everything is just back, back, back. Let's go back, back, back. Calculate, calculate. No, it's not about calculation. It's about it's the spiritual discerning. Because man is a spiritual being. Right? And then that doesn't, when I say spiritual, the other part is that, do you mean do all these things spiritual and not do that? No, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying everything you are doing, everything that is being done should be done with discernment, with, with spiritual touch on top, with spiritual sense on top, not just anything, it's with the heart. There's no way you go with the heart, you won't touch spirit. The only way you won't touch spirit is if Satan has really, 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 really worked on that heart. But I mean, Satan said himself, you know, the heart of man is like a, it's like a fortress. It was, Satan himself is trying to get there, he has not even fully gotten the man fully. It's a, it's, a, it's a serious fortress, you can't just land there anyhow. Even God can't just land in your heart like that. What do you think God has to arrange preaching around it? That's to arrange your kind of thing so that somehow you can move maybe even music and then preaching, worship, spirit. You move into a meeting and all of a sudden the atmosphere, all those things, what do you think they are doing? They are, they are trying to appeal to your heart, please hear us. That's what they are doing. So it's not, you can't just land in a heart like that. You can't budge in. It's not a, it's not a, it's not, it's not, it's nobody's father's house. This our father's house we can budge into. When just get there. If I get home now to my father's house, I don't need that. How do I do it? <laughs> but nobody can do that to the soul of man. Even Satan. But Satan has been over time working upon the man. The, see your heart aligning this way. Be like this. Be framed like this. That's how Satan, Satan has been preaching to man too to get to his heart. So he's taking it little by little. When he's getting the heart, most of the time, it's not just about wicked man cutting people's head. You know, when we think of Satan, that's what we think. Sometimes you can sit in offices. For example, in this, this nation, I know all the men sitting and thinking about all our affairs. 
<laughs> when they are sitting down to sit, Satan is like a guy, it's like a face over them. The, the thing they are using to think, to do things, is from him. And it's not as if he's telling them, I'm Satan, take my idea. No. Just give them ideas. And when they come up, they come up. When they even tell you and I the idea, I'll be like, wow, awesome. Progress in our nation. Progress in our world. What, what fetched that idea? It's a spirit that is ugly and wretched and dirty and smelly. That when, when, when it comes to everything, oh, we clap. No. And that is why men must not be natural. Men must be spiritual. So the things of God are spiritually. So the way the soul is naturally is it discerns things spiritually. So a man is not natural. A man is spiritual. Spiritual. And if is spiritual, is it meant to be spiritual? When I say spiritual, is meant as I'm, I'm talking about the fabrics with which it was made. It was made with. Amen. I'm rounding up now because of time. You know, we've we spent so much time. So, um, and I'm, and what I was saying earlier, right, was just to give us insight a little bit into the spirit, soul, and body that we're talking about, right, and center in into the soul aspect, right, because that is where all the the reins of the heart is. You know, when you say the reins, right, you're talking, when you have a horse, you have the reins which you use to turn the horse, right, left. All right. If you want the horse to go left, it's the reins you use. If you want it to go right, it's the rein, right? So the you have the the heart is like a horse like that. It has the reins, which must be moved up and up and down, up and down. And the reins of our heart must be moved towards something. Must move towards the desire for God, right? Now, why am I saying this? Because there are things. We can use our soul for. In short, that's the easiest thing to do. To use the soul is the easiest thing. Why? When you say to souls, can you love God? They say, yeah. Ah, okay. Ah, I'll try and love him. When you say so, will you go to a, a sport game? Sport? Game? Oh, let's go. They won't even think twice. But the moment they mention God to souls, you know, sometimes you just, you just have to mention, you don't have to mention too much, you just mention God in the statement. Sadness. Ah, we're going to do this God thing again. Uh -huh, okay, well, what is it about? Okay, remove that. Talk about movies. Do you want to watch, uh, what's the latest movie on Netflix now? I don't know. I've not been watching Netflix in a few days now. Yeah. Hey, Jago Jago. <laughs> I saw that advert. Hey, it looked like an awesome movie. Imagine when a soul sees that advert. Ah, excitement. I'm going to watch Jago Jago. Sometimes we don't even give God a chance to even do the adverts. You know, advert is, now it's our own advert time. Why? Because they are getting us to be excited in preparation for to receive God. And we're in a season where we have to receive God afresh. Amen. Now, where I wanted to go, really, is to talk about that aspect in our heart, right, that has to do with receiving, right? The soul is meant to receive. And to receive things spiritually. And in receiving, there's a way it must be postured and positioned. You can't just receive anyhow. Amen. Means that for a soul to receive, it must be, it must, there must be investment of spiritual activities, investment of 
rain movement. Amen. It's, it's more like, that's the word, it's more like a preparation. Preparation must go into the heart for to receive God. When I say preparation, some, most of the time we quickly think, is he us? No, it's, it's God that will prepare us. But we must understand that aspect, right? But now this one I'm saying is regarding your convention and your prayer and everything. But we should understand something generally that, so, no, so there's convention one, but there's the general understanding of the soul, right? That the way you are configured is to receive things spiritually. Not natural, not natural mind. Man is not natural, it's spiritual. Everything you interact with, it looks natural, it's not. It seems natural, it's not. It seems logical, it's not. It's all spiritual. In short, by now, I know in the last teaching Pastor Jeff did in, uh, in Calgary, he, 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 he explained how so much man is not a logical person. And most of the time we think men are logical beings, we are not. Oh, I just calculate one, two, three, you know, and then I summarize and that's it. You know, it makes sense. No, we are not. This time is the proof that we are not logical beings. Why? Because these days you can see somebody come and tell you, um, I feel I'm a woman. Is that logical? It's feeling. Does that do it sense? It's irrational. It's a Totally emotional, it's irrational. It's, man, so that's to tell you that man is not a logical being. In short, most of the time, we're not logical when we do things. In the, in, in the heat of the matter, it's not logic we use. And that's how you know, that's how you know whether we are logical or not. It means if, you're, if we are logical beings, it means that everything we do has to be logical. Yeah. Right? So it's not that maybe when you're calculating which square will go to, you are logical. But when you come to other things, you are not. Imagine when I'm hungry at something. In that moment, I can't be logical. In short, you see the way the way the way the speech will be coming out can't be logical. <laughs> it won't be logical. <laughs> some some will shoot this way, some will shoot that way, some will shoot or some will come that. It doesn't, it's not there's nothing logical about it. Man, man is not a logical being. We are spiritual beings. We are not rational, we are not spiritual beings. What affects men are most are spiritual things, more than natural, physical, logic. You know, all those, I don't know, it's Satan that painted it to us that we are logical. We are not. There's nothing, nothing absolutely logical about it. Imagine somebody did something to offend you, you'd be wondering, ah, why did they do that one now now? Maybe you are trying to figure out, okay, this one does not like this one. How did, how did we end up here? It's to show that we are not logical in any way, shape, or form. So man should never, ever, ever, ever think somehow that we are logical beings. No, we are spiritual beings. Everything that man interacts with is spiritual. What Satan has just done is to kill our side to think that we can be natural and not have any spiritual impact. You know, sometimes that's what we are as Christians. You know, there were times when, we, when I was growing up, my parents were Christians. Sorry, I'm taking too much stories. I'm about to round up. My, my parents were Christians, but in my heart somehow, I was like, what's all this thing that they are carrying about? Man? These people should leave me alone now. And then, I'll go about my, my daily, daily activity, right? But everything I'm doing, right, there is, how would I put it? 
in a way, I'll say, maybe I'll go to church on Sundays, right? And during the week, I'll go about my thing, my day. So somehow, in a way, okay, I'm not doing anything to offend God, but I'm not committed to him in any way, shape, or form either. So I'm okay. The Satan that gave us that sense, why? Because it's not possible to be in and out and be, okay, I'm on the safe side. No, there's no safe side. In short, it is worse to be in that kind of side than to choose a side. It's like this, you're in a war, the war, this is a war zone. You just don't see, maybe you're in a war zone. You know where there's every war, artillery. Imagine when you're in, maybe you're in Ukraine, in the place where they're throwing bomb now. Nah, you just decide to, to just stand and walk. See, I'm neutral. I'm not for Russia. I'm not for Ukraine. I am a neutral person, and I'm just on this land. The first, before the person finished the statement, it's bomb, bah, it'll scatter the soul. There's nothing, there's no, there's no plain ground, there's no neutral ground. It's all, it's all war zones. So it's that that makes some souls feel like, okay, I can just be gentle, I won't be too serious about God, I'll just go to church, come home and, yeah, okay, well done. Balance, we'll clap for you. Why? Because that's where the bomb will come and land. Why they they doesn't like people to be running from the bomb. Say move here, there, yeah. Okay, then they throw back. Okay. It's, it's like execution. You know, you know, all the execution we used to watch, you know, is they would put them, put them behind drum and then boom. Okay. So his own wisdom now is to put people inside place. You don't, you don't want shooting one by one because that one is too is too slow. You want to kill massively. So everybody, okay, you are safe, you are safe. If you just go there and declare that you are neutral, you'll be okay. Not knowing his execution. Once you reach there, bomb will land. It's not, it may not even be the one to throw, it's the other party that will throw bomb. Wah! Because there's a range. You know there's a place where range. If you're outside the range, you push you into the range, you go there. That's how Satan is. So there's nothing man is doing that is not. And that is why we need God more than ever. That's why we need God more than ever. That's why we need to be hungry for Him much more than ever. Why? Because the only spiritual supply that can come is from him. Now, the Lord, okay, I'm rounding up, the Lord satisfies hunger in seasons. He satisfies hunger in seasons. When you come, you satisfy. You come, you satisfy hunger. But then, there's a way the heart must also be positioned. In the season that we are in, we are in a, in a season of preparation. The Lord is preparing us. Why? For a, for a refreshing. That's, that's what I'm saying. Why? Because the thing about the soul is that no pleasure lasts forever. Right? But there are pleasures forevermore. Is a point the soul can reach where once they land there. Oh my God! There is, there is enough pleasure for the soul forever. But until you get there, you might have little here, a little there. Little here, a little there. Most of the time, that's what we get as Christians. Why am I saying this? When we get filled with the Holy Ghost, we get filled at one point. Later, we can get filled again. Later, we can get filled again. Why are we being filled and filled? It means that we need more filling, meaning that the one we have is not enough. So in a way, when we even... See, the thing about the soul is that the Lord set it to go on journeys, meaning that it must be moving. It must be going into discoveries of God. The moment it stops, it will... It will cap. And the problem of capping is that when a soul caps, as it says, this is my end. And that is not the actual intention. 
it begins to go down. It's like a balloon. When you blow a balloon up, right, and you stop and you seal it, you will feel, oh, wow, this balloon is so big. For months, it may look as if nothing is happening, but it's reducing small, small. It's after a long time, it now begins to show that, wait, oh, this thing is reducing. Sometimes the reduction doesn't show in the, in the size. It shows in the, in the, what's that thing? When you press it, there's a way it goes inside. What's that called? No pressure. And it's last, it's, I think the amount of pressure it will take before it, it, it caves in. What's that? You know, when you press too much pressure, when you just blow it, you, you have to put a lot of pressure for it to depress. If you leave the balloon for like a month or two, just touch it, it will, phew, ah, what's going on? And the thing is that when you leave it, it might come back to the same size as it was, but the truth is that it's not the same. The strength of the balloon has reduced. Sometimes that's how the soul is. And it's not good for souls to be in that state. Why? Because whenever your soul is in that state, it's not just that you just stay there and that's, no, other things will begin to feel it. But when other things are feeling it, it doesn't expand, it contracts. It's another kind of feeling spiritually. You know, you know, this spiritual thing is not just, you know, like, it's not logical, like I say, it's not a logical thing. Sometimes when we're thinking about spiritual things, we don't think logic. It's spiritual. <laughs> But sometimes God can help us use logic to explain, right? But the truth is, other things can feel it. It is a, it's a kind of blowing, but it's, but it's an implosion, right? It's blowing inwardly. It's not expanding. It's contracting. It's a different kind of blowing. And that's what God, Satan is doing to souls. He's just blowing them in negatively. Yeah? But maybe let's say souls. But again, even we that are Christians, child of God, as we are growing, if we stop growing, yeah. one of the things that will begin to happen, we may not draw back. Right? We may not, of course, there's no way you know, we'll stop growing. And this word is wicked. Wicked. Wicked and does not care. You know, you know, maybe you as a child of God, you use church mind, have you? Okay, maybe let me not do this. Satan doesn't have any of that. Satan does not use church mind to people. He does not care about church mind. Doesn't even have it. You can't, you can't even smell it. You can't even come. All he thinks about is stealing, killing, destroy. Steal, kill, destroy. Steal, kill, destroy. Amen. So, one of the things that I'm seeing here, right, is that souls must continue in journey. Souls must continue in journey. And as a place a soul will journey to, it will land into everlasting pleasure. Ensure. And there are strength levels that souls must come into, right? There's strength, you know, faith, strength, you know, the different things we learn. Faith, you know, faith towards God, you know, obedience and all those things. There's faith strength, faith of the Son kind of strength. There's hope kind of strength. There's love kind of strength. It's, it's actually, it's when we come into the love of Christ that we can get a lot of grace to continue further. And they will continue into the presence. So like I was saying, the presence is a place souls must journey into, right? So you must journey into the presence where there's pleasure. But what will happen is that before we journey into the presence, they'll be giving us pleasures, little by little. It's for to help our journey. Those pleasures are, are, are times of discovery of God. Those are times of discovery. When they so discover, hey, launch. Ah, begin to launch further. Amen. I pray that the Lord will help us to continue to, to journey further in, in the spirit, in the name of Jesus and one of the things I'm saying that the Lord is, is saying to us, even in this season of convention, is that the Lord wants to make a new covenant with us. 
It's a new covenant. The Lord wants to make a new covenant with us. The Lord will make a new co you know covenants. Uh, you know when we say covenant, you know the the first covenant is the covenant that we receive when we begin to to learn Christ, right? When we know there's a we get born again, there's a provision for a covenant. Then after a while, there's a new covenant. That new covenant is in a time of refreshing. Yeah. Amen. I read Act. Ah. I'll just round up because time has gone. Act. I just read Act three, right? That's what. Uh, so Act three, but time has gone. I don't want us to go beyond one thirty. But so. So Act three. Verse fifteen, and then as a round up. Verse uh, 20. 20. He said, and he shall send, okay, he said, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come. So we see clearly here that to repent, right, is the first thing that happens to get a covenant. But I'm not, because of time I can't, You'll go too, too much further. So repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sin may be blotted, blotted out. That's what the new first covenant is for. And that what the new covenant is for is during the times of refreshing. Like Jesus said that you would drink of my cup anew in my Father's kingdom. Right? This is a new time of another kind of feast. And we'll be hearing that the Lord wants to bring feast, feast, feast. In as much as the Lord wants to bring word of feast, we are, we are still talking about feast in the world of refreshing. This kind of feast is a refreshing kind of feast that we are about to eat. It's a, refresh, it's a feast from a refreshing world, which says that, uh, repent ye therefore and be covered that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence. Meaning that what we are seeking is something that is in presence. It's from the presence of the Lord. We need anything that comes from that brings a refreshing. Because we are drinking anew. If we are drinking anew, then is a new hunger that must be in the soul. Because they want to see the soul must be en enlarged for this. It's, as they are refreshing us with life, they are also refreshing the soul with hunger. Right? They have to. It's, it's, it's like a, don't refresh like reset. So we've been journeying. We've been hearing things. Now the Lord wants to res do another reset. It's like a it's a massive reset in this season. And the Lord wants us to partake of this reset. I we don't know how it will come. But one thing we know is clear that the Lord wants to come. How it comes, it comes in different ways. Right? I mean, in this last convention, one thing that is clear is that honestly, there's so much spirit and there's, there's so much instruction for movement. Too many. And you know, in like previous convention before, I'd be like, ah, okay, ah, okay, we receive it. But they say, but the way they were saying this thing this time around, it didn't look like that. As they were saying it, I was seeing commandment, really. Hmm. Then I began to see where my soul needs to, to change and shift and move. I say, hey, Lord, you have to help me here. Different, different things. But, just, but that's just to show that there's a kind of refreshing happening, taking place. Amen. So in this season, the Lord wants to there's a need for refreshing. We want to be refreshed. Is a refreshing hunger. The Lord wants to prepare. One thing that 
the Lord, you know, brought to my attention just as you know as we we're praying, and is is that word as see to them that look for Him, there's a posture we must have. To them that look for Him, we need refreshing for to be looking for Him. There's a kind of freshness that we need to position ourselves to look for Him, because it would only appear to them, right? And they tell us that He shall send Jesus Christ, which was before preached. So it shows that the season of refreshing have to come before Jesus is sent. So, it, it, almost in a way, the season of refreshing is what brings about the hunger for Jesus to appear. But there's a posture and the position of them that must see Jesus. It's them that look for him. Even while we are playing and talking and even praying about conversion, talking about oh, conversion is going to be awesome, it's possible that we are not positioned to look for him. And it's to them that look. You know, most of the time we hear the same, the same thing every year. Oh, they look cliche. But the, we are hearing it in this time for a, for a kind of work the Lord wants to do in our soul. He wants to prepare us and get us, get us up to receive Jesus afresh. To receive him afresh. During conversion, they were talking about grace, grace, grace to see Jesus in a different, to see in a different light. You'll be wondering, oh, what does that, you know, it sounds cliche. But the truth of the matter is that some veils don't go. You think it has gone, but it has not. Some of us, as they were saying that, is when it occurred to me a way to, there's a way I'm seeing Jesus. Even while they are saying Jesus is appearing, there's a way I'm expecting Jesus to appear. And it's not a conscious thing. Then, but wait, and then I have to, I have to it's almost like it's at that moment I discovered, wait, to, the way I'm positioned to receive Jesus, no, wait, 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 that's not the way. There's a different way. It's not by that. that there's, I can just see the way my sight is concerning his appearing. No, sometimes the way we want to see Jesus on the sky can, may seem like that's not how we are looking. But when you check the soul, somehow the, the way it's expecting it is actually like that. But they are saying, no, no, no. There's a different configuration. They have to reposition the soul. It's a refreshing. And the thing about refreshing is that you don't know what you get. What does that mean? It means that we should be open to the Spirit to position us. And what does that mean is that we don't know the things we need yet in that season to receive the Lord the way we should. So we need the Lord to prepare us for refreshing. Even the season of refreshing is almost like the season of preparation. And we are in this season when we are preparing for beacon. And I, I, I want us to pray that the Lord would refresh us afresh. We want to be refreshed to receive the Lord anew. That our soul will be positioned for hunger afresh. To receive the Lord in the way it should be received in this season. And this thing is not just what that we know we just preach. It's, it's more of a of a kind of expectation that our heart is, we are, that is being better in our heart for to receive the Lord. Let me begin to pray that heaven will help us to receive the Lord afresh, that a refreshing of hunger will take place. You know, we've let different things about the soul, but one thing that is clear is that the soul is elastic. The living soul is designed. The, 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 the pursuit of our heart should be for God. And the living soul is designed to pursue after God. It, it has the capability to receive the refreshness needed to receive God afresh. It has the capability to expand, to take all that God asks for us. So, one thing is clear that all that God asks for, asks for us in this season, we can expand to receive them. Can we begin to pray that heaven will help us and fill us with hunger? Ah, and one thing that everything that the Lord is bringing in this season will descend them spiritually. That will not be positioned naturally. 
Uh, when I'm saying naturally, I'm not just talking about, you know, the natural alone. There's some way we think about spiritual things naturally. What does that mean? It means there's a way we naturally think about spiritual things. That the Lord would help our sight not to be positioned that way, but to be positioned spiritually to discern the things of the Lord in this season. Can I begin to pray for help to be positioned to discern the blessings in this season? And can we pray that in this season the Lord will make a new covenant with us? One thing is clear. The Lord must, you know, the, to make a new covenant has to do with bringing us into a season of refreshing. One thing is clear. The Lord wants to make a new covenant. He wants to give us a new covenant. Can we begin to pray that heaven will help us to be positioned for the new covenant in this season? Let's pray that we'll be positioned for this new covenant that the Lord is bringing over us in this season. Thank you, Father. We give you all the praise. For in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Father, we thank you today for your word and how you've helped us. We thank you, Father, for how you've you know, spoken to us today and given us the need for to be positioned for freshness, even for a new covenant. We ask, Father, that you will help our heart to be positioned for your covenant in this season in the mighty name of Jesus. And the covenant you want to make with each and every one of us, that you will position and prepare us for each covenant in the mighty name of Jesus. Just like you said to Moses to prepare the people of Israel to come to the mount, it's for a covenant. Father, we are in this season, we need your preparation. We ask that you prepare us for your covenant to appear and to come, or to drink of your cup anew, even in this season, in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because you've answered our prayers, for in Jesus Precious name, we are praying. You will between the cherubim shine for. You will between the cherubim shine for. You will between the cherubim.